Street veteran Bernard Madoff has been arrested and charged with running a $50 billion Ponzi scheme. Congress wants to know what caused the Enron meltdown. Now, well, the collective rage currently is focused on WorldCom. Tyco CEO Dennis Kozlowski was convicted of looting hundreds of millions of dollars. This is one of the biggest fraud cases ever. Their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Find out more on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. Holy men and women of different religions have always been revered for their stoicism. They know hardship, and they often make it for themselves willingly. Like the Stylites. Yes, this is the portion of the intro where Kashan throws in a historical story that is only tangentially related to the actual plot today. The Stylites were a group of Christian ascetics who, as part of their religion, would climb and sit upon a tall pillar... Eating and drinking only what was brought to them through charity. So people have to, like, set up ladders and, like, climb ladders and give them food and give them water. And that's the only, the only way they could get food or water. It was a real thing. Look it up. Uh, they were named after Simeon the Stylite, who decided one day in the, in the 300 ADs that it might be chill to just spend 37 years raw dog in a pole. Kind of like the decision Nina made when she finally left her small Ohio town. Got a few decades left in there. Uh, part of being a monk is this idea that you give up worldly pleasures uh, now to attain some sort of higher enlightenment later. But it is this kind of but is this kind of lifestyle sustainable in a modern society? In an ever-growing culture of tweets, Grubhub orders, and grinder notifications, the average human is constantly indulged in immediate gratification for all their earthly pleasures much different than the harsh conditions in which many monkly traditions were originally created. Today, we find out what happens when a monk goes rogue as we discuss the life and crimes of Lobsang Dargi, a once poor Tibetan monk who fought for a cause, who eventually became a rich real estate mogul in bed with the country who had previously wished him dead. All this and more on today's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. Yeah, I would never be a monk or a nun or a priest. I mean, me either. It's not my vibe. No. I'll say that. No, no. I love their little collar thingies, though. I think I could pull. I, I could, you could pull off the collar. I could pull off the look of a priest, but just like none of the none of the stuff on the inside, you know? Well, you're not putting anything inside. Well, yeah, because I'm not a priest, you know? No, you didn't get you it. You see an altar boy around here? Oh. <gasps> My cousin don't, don't gasp at me like it's not true. My cousin wanted to become a priest, and then he was like, "I don't think I can do the vow of celibacy." That's the one thing. Yeah. Oh man, I don't think I could. I don't think I could be a priest because I'm just. I fucking. I got that dog in me. I just got a fuck dog. Hell yeah. <laughs> like okay, man. Okay. <laughs> it, it's more than that. He's like, no, 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 no. You don't get it. This, uh, this. I gotta schlang. I gotta swing meat. I gotta dude. schlang the schlong. I gotta schlang my schmeats. Okay. Like, okay, dude, please. I've got the schmeats. This is an Applebee's. Please calm down, sir. Um, so welcome back to another episode of White Collar Shred Hands, everybody. It's Kashan. And it's Nina. And today, like I mentioned, we're talking about Lob, Lobsang Dargi. Lobsang Dargi. I've heard it pronounced at least four different ways. So uh, just, it's kind of. Why don't you pronounce it the, today. the least correct way? The whole episode. <sighs> Lobsangi Dargi. Yeah. That would work. Yeah, no, that's 
<laughs> I'm not going to do that. Oh. I, I'm sure that there are many, many proud people out there, maybe listening to this podcast, maybe not, whose, whose name is Lobsong, and I don't want... I don't want to hurt their feelings. Ah, that's you nice know, of you. By calling them Dargay. <laughs> be rude. That would be rude. Uh, so, Lobsung Dargi was born in 1973 in a small East Asian former country of Tibet. I say former because in case you're not caught up on Asian history, the nation was annexed by China in 1951, uh, although it still retains some autonomy. I don't know how it works. It seems confusing. There is an autonomous region of Tibet and like a not, and I don't know. Is it like it's Ireland weird. and Northern Ireland? I have literally no idea. <laughs> is it like Puerto Rico and Guam? I don't think it's like a commonwealth, which are those. Mm. Yeah, Puerto Rico is a commonwealth. Um, or territory? Territory. Whatever. I don't know. China took it and said, you are ours now. You're mine. Kind of like, not to not to get political, but kind of like Taiwan or Hong Kong, you know, where they're like, this is ours. And then some of the people there are like, no, we're not. That's Tibet. And Tibet at the time boasted a population. It, it was small. They boasted a population of about 1.5 million people uh, in total, um, and the largest draw, as we know for Tibet, would of course be the world's tallest mountain, which is nestled amongst the Himalayas, Mount Everest, which is like half in Tibet and half in China. Like, I guess literally the, the border runs right across the peak. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, but that is what many people would know Tibet for. Climb every mountain. I don't, uh, what, what is that? Sound of music. Oh, I fall asleep halfway through. Oh, it's the yeah. end, so you wouldn't have seen I fall asleep it. at the, uh, you are 16. It's like an hour and a half in the movie, going on 17. Mm-hmm. Every single time I fall asleep there. Oh. they don't. I don't even get to see them get to the Nazis. It's... <laughs> I, Sean I, doesn't like, even know it's a World War II story. Like, I know I know it's there, like, later, but I don't know. Because I fall asleep, and I'm, I'm done. It's three times. I'm not going to try doing it again. Spoiler alert. They climb the mountains to get away from the Nazis. Wow. Is that all you had to do? Well, they were going to Switzerland. You could just go to Switzerland? Yeah. I don't. Well, sure. I mean, they had to climb the mountain, dude. Sure. It's not easy with seven kids to climb a mountain inconspicuously. I'm just saying. I think they, also, made, it, they made it seem a lot easier to escape Nazi Germany than it actually was. That's all I'm going to say. Well, according to you're correct, because my grandfather did not escape so easily. Um, spoiler alert. Rolf, Liesel's love interest joins the nazis oh i always knew you can't trust a rolf can't trust a rolf i've never met a good rolf in my life probably because i've never met a rolf i was just gonna say how many rolfs do you know zero but never met a good one Mm. so back to lobsung uh although uh tibet is beautiful the people who inhabit tibet uh were not wealthy i thought you were gonna say they were not beautiful (laughs) no they're they are they're ugly i'm gonna say it they're ugly they're uggos and i'm sorry um as it was one of the poorest regions of China. I guess that's changed now, but I don't know what to believe about any news coming out of that area of the world. Well, I will say that it might not be accurate because of who took them over. I have no idea. Uh, And Lobsung's family was no different. They were a small farming family who grew their own meager rations and were have said to burn yak dung in the winter to heat their house. Mm. Which must have smelled great, right? 
I think it smells like Febreze. Like you know, we we light like a like a sugar cookie candle. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, mm, it reminds me of the holidays. The, you know, there's got to be some fu- fire ass yak dung candles out there, my man. They're like it's so yeah. nostalgic. Um, Lobsong himself talking about growing up said, and this is a direct quote: "I was born next to a pig." Oh, just like Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Was it, was it a? Was, are there pigs in the uh, the little? What the hell are those things? Scene? Yeah, those things. Is there, is there ever a pig there? I'm sure there was a pig right. there. Somewhere. All right, fine. actually, it was. I don't know. I don't know where pigs well, originated from. What region do pigs? Where are pigs from? Do, do we really need to spend time googling that right I now? I can do it later. <laughs> I'm just curious. Where did they come from? I don't know. Okay. So he was born next to a pig, Lost Sundarki, next Jesus, maybe. Uh, at the age of 13, however, Lobsong was sent away from his farm and family to join the ranks of the Tibetan Buddhist monks. Uh, if you ask Lobsong, this was because his family believed him destined, destined for more than just a simple farmer. But a more likely story is that the family just couldn't support him financially. So they sent him off to the monastery. That sucks, because it's like... That's a decision for the rest of your life that's being made by your family. Yeah, but it is a tale as old as time, much like when extra children in the Middle Ages were sent to have lives within abbeys or the nunneries. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, well, I have this I have this daughter. Uh, I got a lot of daughters. And, and she's ugo, and we can't marry her off. Yeah, so. no, no one wants her. No one wants to pay three fat sows as a dowry, so we'll just send her off to the nunnery instead. So, Damn. happened a lot song. Uh and Tibetan Buddhism, uh, although one of the smallest Buddhist countries, is probably one of the best-known sects of Buddhism here in America. Uh, when you think of a Buddhist monk, who's the first person you think of? Gandhi. Okay, not. I, I don't, don't even. I think don't he even was think he was Buddhist. Buddha. Yeah. Um, Buddha is the Buddhist monk I think of. I'm assuming that most normal people who are listening to this that aren't Nina might have thought about. The- <laughs> the tongue, su- the tongue sucking Dalai Lama. Oh, I forgot about the him. The Dalai Lama, man, he's like the the like the key leader of Buddhism. The Dalai Lama is the spiritual leader of a specific school of Tibetan Buddhism, um, who has been ousted by the Chinese government and has lived in exile in India since 1959. He got exiled from China. Oh, Wait, yeah. it's the same dude. Yes. Dude, all right. So yeah, this no, is it's gonna, been, it's been the same right, So this Lama. is really embarrassing. I thought the Dalai Lama was like the Pope of and they like no, changed Dalai Lamas. It is. He's the fourteenth Dalai Lama. Oh, okay. There's been multiple Dalai Lamas. But they find the Dalai Lama when they're children. This Dalai Lama became the Dalai Lama when he was two. Oh. And he's like late eighties, so he's just he's just been the Dalai Lama for a very long time. Whereas, oh, he's been the Dalai Lama since he was two? Yes, whereas popes, they elect a pope and they're like 73 already. So they're, they're pope for well, like why, 30 years. Well, how do you get years. picked to be a Dalai Lama? Okay, uh, it's uh, it's a crazy story um, because because they believe in reincarnation. So like, so like first the Dalai Lama has to be like, I'm going to reincarnate. I'm going to come back. So like find me after I die in this, in another body. And in this one, they literally had like the head of the Dalai Lama. 
Yeah. Of the dead one? Yes, the 13th Dalai Lama. They had his head, and they said that his head would, like, rotate to where they... It's weird. I told you it's a weird story. Would rotate to where they would have to go to find the next Dalai Lama, and it led them... And then, like, this other guy who had, like, a vision, and they, like, found a lake or whatever, and they found this house next to a lake, and there was a little boy there, and they presented some beads, and he was like, mm, can I have those beads? And they were from the old Dalai Lama, and he's like, you can have the beads if you know my name. And the kid was like, I know your name. Here's your name. And then they brought a bunch of, supposedly, they brought a bunch of stuff that was the old Dalai Lama's and a bunch of stuff that looked exactly like it but wasn't his. And every time, this kid was like, give me the Dalai Lama's thing. So they were like, you're him. You're literally him, capital H. And that's how they picked the Dalai Lama. Uh, but since you're wondering, and I know you are, this Dalai Lama has not decided if he's going to reincarnate or not. Oh, they decide if they're going to reincarnate? Yeah. So then if he dies and doesn't reincarnate, there is no more Dalai Lama? Nope. He can say before he dies, it's like, I'm going to be the last one. Don't look for me because I won't be there. And then he can peace out. But he can also say, like, you know what? The world still needs a Dalai Lama. Find a child after I am dead. and Hopefully it's not one of those ones that had to suck on his tongue. I'll be around. Yeah, they find that kid. They're like, you had a connection. I think he has to be born after the Dalai Lama lies. I don't, or Dalai Lama dies. I, I don't know about reincarnation, but I'm assuming that that's a rule. How long? Okay, never mind. So this, uh, I, I've got so many questions. I was like, we're not spending the whole time talking. That it's only tangential to the story. Um, is there a documentary on this? I'm sure there is. Hey, no, watch it. Uh, so Lobsong donned robes similar to those worn by the spiritual guru, uh, but originally started at a monastery in Tibet. Um, obviously, with Tibet being annexed only a few decades ago as Dargi grew up, uh, there were many conflicts and tensions still building throughout Tibet with their new government. Uh, obviously, the Tibetan people were like, we don't like this. Right. We didn't want this to begin with. Yeah. So it wasn't going very well. And the Tibetan monks often were put into the middle of these conflicts, uh, trying to protect peace and fighting for the inclusion and equal rights of the Tibetan people in the eyes of Chinese soldiers. But it really wasn't going so well for those on the side of Tibet because it was a small country. They really couldn't fight for themselves. And the Tibetan monks were often sought out and persecuted by invading soldiers or occupying, I guess, soldiers at this time. So it wasn't a good time to be a monk in Tibet. Um, at the age of 18, Lobsong and a few other monks fled the tense the tense region to seek the holy Buddhist city of Lhasa to join the Dalai Lama. Which at first I thought was in India, but it's actually in that autonomous region of okay. Tibet. Whatever. Um, and it is here that Lobsong really flourishes. He rises up the ranks, and eventually he finds another love besides Buddhism. Business. You see, the city of Lhasa is still a city. And although it is run by Buddhists, there still needs to be someone who handles the financial side of things. Um and Lobsong took a liking uh, to this role almost immediately. He eventually gained the title of, and this is a legit title, business monk. <laughs> he was the business monk, uh, someone who deals with all of the finances necessary for the temple that he was a part of. Uh, this position also gave him more exposure to the United States, and he needed to keep in contact with wealthy tourists and business people stateside as a part of his job, people who would come to visit the temple or donate to the temple, uh, and he was the one who dealt with the business of things. Um, the call of capitalism kept 
Colin Lobsong until 1997, when he decided to up and leave the monastery, although maintaining his monkhood for at least the time being, and traveled to Seattle. And he was only offered this opportunity because I guess one of the people he met, one of the wealthy Westerners, he incessantly cold called until they, uh, or until she decided to write him a letter of invitation, which is like a formal document you need to get a visiting visa when you're going to be staying with someone. And he called her like constantly. It was like, hey, would you write this for me? And they would say no. And then he would just keep doing it. Damn. Until they said yes. And this kind of persistence is something that Lobsong would continue to be known for throughout his life. When he first arrived to the Emerald City, that's Seattle's nickname. It is? It is. I looked it up. Uh, He obviously had no money. He was a monk. Uh, and almost no contacts. So he he did what he could. He picked up odd jobs throughout the city to make money. Oh, did he put bracelets on people's wrists? No. And make them think it's a gift and then and be like, you owe me money? He wasn't a con man yet. All right. Yet. Uh, he was known around town as the painting monk. So if we're looking at monk titles so far, we have business and painting, okay? He's a painting business monk. He's a painting business monk. Um, because people would often see him riding the bus with uh, his paint cans and a ladder. Uh, to travel between jobs he picked up, which Cute. sounds really dangerous to have a ladder on the bus. But well, how fine. big was the ladder? Probably like a six foot ladder. Like a, what? On the bus? Yeah. Hmm. It's a sizable ladder. I don't know. Um, and these jobs that he even got to begin with were largely offered to him uh, as the, the uh, very liberal residents of Seattle were particularly sympathetic to the plights of the dependents at this time. They just had their country taken away like not too, too long ago. Yeah. You know, and, and so it was said that there were a lot of people who would extend outreach to him because of that. Um, and they took pity on the exiled monk. Uh, after gaining enough momentum, Lobsong got a job in a sales call center. That sounds perfect for him. Right? He loved calling people and just fucking annoying them. them until they until they did what he wanted. Um, selling commercial phone service. So... I, I, I don't know what that's even like. It's, don't they already have a phone service? If you're calling them on the phone, whatever. Where his reputation for persistence made him a top seller. With all this newfound money, though, shortly after the call center, Lobsong Darkey would finally decide to formally drop his title of monk. Although he would continue as a devout Buddhist. I don't, like, why did it take you so long? I can't believe he was working at a call center and still being like, yeah, but I'm a monk. Yeah, it is weird. I don't know. I only... You kn- know he was out there fucking bitches. I only know how Buddhism works a little bit, and I don't know the difference between overall Buddhism and Tibetan Buddhism, so I don't really know. But uh, I don't know if you... I don't think you're supposed to fuck bitches as a Buddhist, but you also can't... What? Not all Buddhists are celibate. Oh, but if you're a monk, you definitely are. Yeah. Uh, but it is, I think it's, um, yeah, it, it, you're seen as more, you're seen as better if you are celibate, though. Or if you refrain from, from sexual contact as much as you can. Mm, that's why I am the top Buddhist. As much as you can. For now. Um, that was when Lobsong Dargi met the person that would allow him to shoot from small fry phone salesmen. To the business stratosphere, his wife. Told you he was fucking bitches. He was at least fucking bitch. Yes, at least one. Uh, Lobsong Dargi ended up meeting Tammy Agassi. 
Tammy Agassi. I didn't know who she was either. She's uh, a little Agassi. Well, maybe. She kind of looks like it. I'm going to lie. But I don't know who she was. At the time, she was an executive for a nonprofit uh, who actually met Lalsung Dargi because she said she knew a lot of philanthropic clients and he was into philanthropy. Whatever. Uh, Tammy Agassi, or Tammy Agassi, is the sister of a well-known tennis player, Andre Agassi, who at the time was the number one tennis player in the world and well-connected and wealthy, right? And Tammy wasn't doing bad for herself either. And Lobsong saw a perfect opening. He called Tammy for almost a year until she eventually agreed to go on a date with him, which is kind of a red flag in my opinion. Yeah, it is. If you have to ask someone out like, 50 times you guys should not you guys shouldn't go out and you should stop trying because it's creepy i'm tammy in a situation right now oh yeah someone just keeps fucking like yo well he was uh-huh, like uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah he kept being like that and then i did go out with him after a year and a half tammy went out with with lob song too oh man yeah and, and fuck I'm Tammy. However, though, uh, she, she after she gave in, she found him worldly, charismatic, and interesting. So the couple was married in 2004. Are you going to marry this guy? I don't think so. Oh, well, sorry if you listen to the podcast. He doesn't. I didn't drop, name drop him. Whoa! Oh, like he's not going to know? Like he's like, oh, he's probably she's probably talking about the other guy who's been asking her out for a year and a half that she finally said yes to. <laughs> Couldn't it be me. We're gonna be together forever. <laughs> I almost spit out my water. Yeah, there's expensive equipment here. That's- I know. That's why I didn't do. It. I was. I had to like rein it in. Don't do that. Uh, <clears throat> with access to all this new wealth through Tammy, Lobsong begins to siphon off as much money as possible from her to start buying up real estate. Oh, I don't like that. He convinced her that he's. They're investing in their future, and he he's so charismatic, he's going to get it done. He even got Tammy to take out a mortgage on her house that she had completely paid off so that he could buy more property. Oh, you heard that right. He also extended... flabbergasted. He also extended his solicitation to the rest of the family, getting his new father-in-law to invest over $300,000 in Lob Song's real estate development because... Uh, his stepdad said that he's like, he's so charismatic. He reminds me of me when I was a kid. Mm. I also was a monk. He's like, that's so weird. I was a Tibetan Buddhist monk as well. I mean, I know I look like a 50-year-old man wearing New Balances, and I'm very white, but you, me? Same. Did his family know he came to America? Uh, and married a white woman? I don't think he had a lot of contact with his family after he went to the monastery. Mm-hmm. I think I think when you drop your kid off at a monastery, it's kind of like a... Damn. All right. See you, bud. Have a good life. Yeah, they probably didn't have phones. Yeah. Um, originally, though, it looked as if uh, Lob Song's investment was going to pay off uh, when he successfully transitioned into constructing new buildings in 2008 and opened an upscale, densely populated apartment building in Everett, Washington, uh, named Patala Village, which is named after the largest monastery in Lhasa, Patala Temple, which was once home to the Dalai Lamas. And he played heavily off of his background as a Buddhist monk in 
in the success of this building going off. He he literally flew monks in to consecrate the ground that the building was going to be on, like like have That's rit- weird. have rituals and stuff on the ground, and they were like from Tibet, crazy. Um, and he put Buddhist symbols on the side of the building. Um, and this really jived well with the citizens of Everett, which had much the same disposition as those in Seattle. They liked this this worldliness um, to the apartment, and it went over well. Um, he also showed his connections and charisma by even being able to construct the building in the first place. Um, the $22 million undertaking was funded primarily by loan, handed out in 2008, a time when banks oh, were shit. literally collapsing. So I don't know who he jerked off to get the loan, but it must have been somebody. Because You mean whose tongue he had to suck? Um, well, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, literally, Lehman, like, Lehman Brothers is collapsing. And he got a loan. He got a $22 million loan. That's crazy, actually. This is like the fire festival. Oh, which, which uh, we just did it. I just said this on the uh, the update episode, but Firefest 2.0. I heard it's coming. Tickets just dropped. Are we going? Let's do it. Let's fucking do it. Uh, <laughs> let us know if you'd like to see a vlog live from Firefest 2.0. I'm sure it only costs $15,000 per person. We can do it. I'll, I'll take out my savings. Mm-hmm. I'll put a mortgage on my house that I don't own. <laughs> we'll get it. I'll just sell them pictures of my booty hole. No, you have to do something you're not already doing. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, you got to get more money than what you're getting now. Oh. Yeah. Uh, with the success of his first project, Lobsong thinks this is the start of his legacy and moves quickly on to a second project, this time targeting the more upscale but secluded community of Kirkland, Washington. Tucked away, it is largely filled with wealthy conservatives who like their space on the private harbor that surrounds the town. Lobsong bought a large piece of land and wanted to build another densely packed apartment building, which he was also going to name Patala Village. That's weird. Like, yeah, is this a chain? This is, a, this is the Popeye, A chain of two. This is the Popeyes of... Apartment buildings? Apartment buildings that I you're trying totally, to start here? I would totally live in the Popeyes of apartment buildings. They're, they have the best sweet tea in this city. You can just make sweet tea, man. I know. It's just sugar and tea. No, 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 no. Because here's the thing. If I make my own sweet tea, then I'm going to drink it all. Yeah. And it's a lot of tea. And yeah. I don't need to drink all a that. A lot of sugar, right? Okay. People are going to hate me for this. I don't like sweet tea. Mm, more for me. Far too sweet. Too much sugar. I love sweet tea. You can't even taste the tea. It's like diabetes. It's awful. I love Hate it. Give me, give me that in an IV. Hate it. Uh, and this, this tower, Patala Village 2.0, uh, was going to be built next to the water. It, had, it was a beautiful space to build an apartment building. Um, but like we said, it was going to put a lot of apartments into one place, uh, in addition to maybe some commercial aspects that he wanted to add to the building, like shops and things. And the conservative citizens of Kirkland didn't want this kind of building uh, with its inevitably lower-priced living spaces mucking up their idealistic piece of land. So he received immense pushback from the community uh, at zoning meetings, permits, all the things like that. He got a lot of pushback, like, we're not going to give these to you. Uh, they were also much less receptive to the Buddhist monks coming out and performing rituals on the site. I want those booties out here on my land. They're stealing our jobs. 
peaceful. Like what? We don't want peace. I was the one who used to consecrate the land before them damn Buddhist monks got over here and took my job. God damn it! Now what am I gonna do? Who's gonna Who's gonna pray over all the new land that's out when they're offering their services at half my rate? Close the Tibetan American border. <laughs> Build a wall. Build a wall. Uh. uh so he's still flying out these monks all the time. He loved doing this, which must have been costly, by the way. Yeah, it have been. And uh, Lapsung would often lock horns with these residents rather than trying to win them over at, like, the, the uh, what are they, like, the public... The meetings. Like, the public HOA meetings, meetings. You know, where, where they go and, and they talk about, like, new buildings that are being built and you can invite the, the, the community to come or whatever for, like, every... Yeah, well, he probably did. Um, and I guess they would, like, start arguing with him and he would just like yell at them and say that what they're talking about is dumb or like doesn't matter and just it didn't work very well. Uh, this led Lobsong to decide the best plan of action was to entrench himself into the area by suing over the zoning denials for his building. But the fees for litigation and literally flying Buddhist monks out for multiple rituals to banish the demons that were keeping him from breaking ground started to add up. Uh, Dargy found himself in a precarious position and he had to turn to less savory means to keep his business afloat. Okay, so we'll back up and talk about something else for a little bit. Uh, this is, uh, there is a governmental program known as EB5 Immigrant Investor Program. All right, this was created in 1992 under the uh, President George H. W. Bush, H.W. Bush, uh, and this program was meant uh, to set aside visas for foreign nationals who invested in job-creating commercial enterprises. Uh, basically, if you invested $500,000 in a U.S. business or project that also planned to either create or preserve 10 full-time jobs for U.S. workers, you and your family were eligible to apply for lawful permanent residency, also known as a green card. Now, you might be thinking that a lot of immigrants are poor when they come to America, right? So if they had half a million dollars, why are they interested in immigrating to the United States? Anyway, they're obviously doing pretty good. And the answer is that there is at least one large nation in which the wealthy citizens were looking to leave, and that was China. There are many Chinese citizens that, although they had prospered in their home country, wanted to move to the U.S. for various socioeconomic reasons, whether that is to do business in a more capitalistic environment, uh, just like that guy at Alibaba who, like, got too big and then he just, like, disappeared for two weeks. Like, maybe you don't want that to happen. So you're like, let's go be rich in America instead. Uh, fucking Jeff Bezos seems like he's having a great time. We'll go do it there. Um, or maybe so that your children can more easily get access to uh, the better what is seen as better higher education here in the States, um, they were the ones that could largely take advantage of this EB-5 program. Now, Lop Singh discovered this program and understood the dynamics uh, that it had with Chinese citizens, and he got approved for his first EB-5 project in 2011. With the province in Kirkland, he decided to move this project back to Everett, where he made the first Batala village and where it was still doing pretty well. Um, where he was going to build something called the Farmer's Market, which would be a mixed-use building that not only contained apartments as his previous projects, but also vast retail spaces, like maybe like, like a little mini strip mall attached to it and a full-fledged hotel. All in all, this project was price-tagged at $50 million, 
And to raise this sizable chunk of change, Lobsong turned to investors in the country that had actively oppressed his people for decades. Lobsong was fluent in Mandarin, uh, which made the opportunity a little easier to seize, and he began courting money both directly and indirectly from Chinese citizens, either by taking trips to meet people or through brokerage agencies in China. In his promotional material, it is obviously it is obvious that he relied heavily upon the project's EB-5 status to pitch to potential investors and would often guarantee these people that if they invested the $500,000 in the farmer's market, then they were guaranteed to receive U.S. citizenship. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and obviously it's not a guarantee. Although yeah. the program really... Uh, just entitles you to apply, which in most cases, if you are qualified, you'll probably get in with this kind of fast tracking. It, it's not a guarantee. A any amount of things could happen. There's also only like a limited amount of these set aside anyway. So if too many people in were part of the program, probably not everyone's going to get in. But he definitely made it seem like, yeah, it's a shoe in Just give me $500,000 and you'll be You're an American in. citizen. You're in. You got it. Uh, for most of the investors uh, that would put money into the project, they were not even really expecting a real return on investment um, on the project. They already had money. They were instead investing primarily for the promise of the citizenship that they were going to receive. One of the rules of EB-5, however, is that the entirety of the $500,000 that you invest has to go to the approved project or an EB-5 approved project. And in 2012, when Lobsong got his first Chinese investor, he immediately began breaking this rule. Of the $500,000 from this first investor, he took $306,000 and immediately diverted it into his trouble and legal fees in the Kirkland project. And it seemed, at least at first, that he might get away with it because the money just kept rolling in. Over the next six months, Lobsong raised $41 million for this project from 82 different investors. Wow. Everything was That's crazy. Yeah. He funded the he funded the whole project, technically. Imagine if he just like did it. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say did what he was supposed to do. Yeah, it's 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 just because he got himself in so much trouble over in Kirkland that it's how we've talked about it all the time. These things usually start with like, well, we'll do We'll do just a little bit. Yeah. And then know, it snowballs. It covered up and then it gets bigger and it gets bigger. And yeah. Then, and just snowballs. And then by the time you know it, you're you're in prison. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, everything was going so well that Dargy felt as if he had to up his game even further. He moved to the big leagues and announced another project, but this time to build a 41-story skyscraper in downtown Seattle named Potoma Tower. Really Really inventive names. He's so in, he's so really inventive. Names. He's so creative. A project that was budgeted at one hundred and ninety million dollars, more than three times the price of the farmers market, the first project, and was such a big deal that when the project broke ground in twenty fourteen, not only did Buddhist monks show up, but so did the mayor did of he, Seattle. Did he convert to being a Buddhist monk after going? You know what? I, I don't. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I don't think he did. Uh, to fund this tower, Lobsong again started hitting up Chinese investors, but he had to start looking more affluent to gain their trust. He's got to get even richer investors this time. So he 
he pulls money from the EB-5 project accounts to take potential investors out to lavish dinners, to fund casino trips, and he even used investor money to purchase a Bentley where he would have chauffeured meetings with the potential wealthy Chinese clients. Overall, for this project, he raised $86 million from 171 investors, promising to front $30 million of his own personal funds as well. A promise that he never upheld. He Did never... he even have $30 million? Absolutely not. Not yeah. unless he was going to steal it from these accounts to feed it, in, right. to feed it into another project. Um, of this $127 million total that Lobsong raised for these two projects, he diverted $17 million of it either to fund his failing project in Kirkland, where he would actually go on to lose all of those lawsuits against the town that he had over the permits anyway, so it didn't turn out for him, um, or he used the money to directly fund things for himself, such as a $3 million mansion that he bought or a stretch limousine. At least there was no note this time of him buying a boat. Because that's what they all do, right? No boats, no, boat. no boats, and no private jets this time. You know, it was refreshing. That's honestly. nice. Honestly, all these, all these people it's are like. It's good to see that his monk background stayed yeah. with him. Humble. He's, he's like, you know Simple what? Simple guy. I'll stop at a $3 million mansion. I don't need the private jet. I don't need to. It's enough. <laughs> and also, he withdrew $200,000 at various casinos or other gambling establishments. Um, and when he realized the gaps in the EB-5 account might become suspicious or a problem for him, uh, and also probably because he didn't yet meet the funding goal for Patama Tower, he falsified a bank record uh, inflating an account that held $400,000 to look like it contained tens of millions of dollars to secure a $25 million loan awesome. to shore up some of the gaps. Um, in 2015, the FBI acting off an anonymous tip uh, starts investigating Lobsong. And after they pull his bank records, it was pretty easy to see all these movements of money, including those withdrawals of casinos, which made them suspicious. And the feds were pretty immediately sure of the fraud that was going on. They go to question Lobsong, who basically said that he was allowed to use the money how he pleased. And they informed him, nah, that's actually hella illegal. You can't do that. Um, and the SEC soon froze his assets completely and conducted a raid of all of his offices and projects to get as much information as possible. Without money, all operations for Dargie's development company immediately ceased, with the work sites for Potama Tower and the farmer's market becoming quickly abandoned. So there's just an abandoned lot in downtown Seattle where there, mi there, might, there might have been a building someday, at least at this time. Uh, Worse than the sites, 253 different investors and their families were also abandoned, hoping for the citizenship that they were promised. Because it didn't extend to just you. It also extended to your immediate family. Um, many were already living in the United States on the visas that were handed out when you first invested um, before you even get the green card applications. And they were afraid that they were going to be immediately deported uh, after they received calls from the government telling them that their applications were canceled due to their EB-5 money being misappropriated and not fully spent on projects that created jobs. That's horrible. I actually do think this is kind of a drop of the ball of the American government. Like, it's not that many people. I think you should just bite the bullet and be like, you know what? Sorry that happened to you. We'll still give it to you. 
Yeah, honestly, because right. like they still donated. It's not their fault. They yeah. donated the money. They acted in good faith. And, and, it was a, and it was a program that was set up to be an EB-5 program. Like that wasn't a lie or anything. It's just that the person running it didn't it was do a it piece right. of shit. So why, why should they get it? You know, whatever. Uh, the investors not only were missing out on the American dream, if you believe in that, uh, they were also looking at an estimated collective loss of $24 million on the investment to wow. begin with. Meanwhile, Dargy's life was also unraveling. Uh, he fell into a deep depression, which eventually caused him to attempt suicide by just going to, he like told his wife, he's like, I don't know if I can handle this anymore. And just walked in the bathroom and just started like chugging pills. Uh, he did not die. Instead of dying, he was sent into fervent hallucinations that sent him to the hospital. But he lives. His wife, Tammy, who had let Lopsong invest everything they had into these projects, also wasn't faring well herself. And in 2016, Lopsong officially agreed to release his equity in both of the EB-5 projects so that they could escape limbo. They were taken on by other developers and were actually both completed. Interesting. Both of these buildings were built. And they both had their EB-5 status restored, which meant that many of the investors were actually eventually able to get the citizenship that they had invested for in the first place. Good. As for Lobsong, he pleaded guilty in 2017 to counts of wire fraud and lying to the United States government. Although he still denied knowing that any of it was actually illegal. Partly because the judge received 70 letters from friends supporting his character, Lobsong received a relatively light sentence of four years for these counts and he was actually released early in two, in 2020, although he was ordered to pay the losses of $24 million back in restitutions to the investors. Now, that might make you think, well, maybe he's not such a bad guy. Maybe, maybe he didn't know what was going on. He's from, yes, he did. He's from another country. I actually, I'm not going to lie, I do kind of believe that he thought that he could do this. And was maybe oh you mean like thought he could move the money around? yeah he thought i think that he at least partially thought that he's like well i got the money to to fund the project like it's just funding my works so part of it will go there but part of it will also go here i could i could see that because he really didn't have a lot of business experience okay I can, okay he was a monk and then he came over, he worked in a call center, and then just immediately just, like, started buying real estate. Like, no one was telling him what to, how to do okay. stuff, right? Okay, all right, I can see that. That being said, I, it probably crossed a line at some point, like, the, like pulling money for gambling. That's a lot of money. Yeah. You know, and he definitely got corrupted by it. Um, but never the... Don't, don't be afraid, because he, he is a bad guy. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> because I have one more thing to cement that reputation. Um, because the entire time he was in prison... Tammy, his wife, was in financial shambles, all right? They, they lost all their money. She lost everything. And she said that she was living primarily off her tennis star brother to support both her and her and Lobsang's two children. They had two kids. And she lived off her brother completely while Lobsang was in prison. Um, now, while in prison, Dargie convinced Tammy that they would have to get a divorce for financial reasons to protect her from the large restitutions that he would have to pay back. And at first she didn't want to do it, but he's persistent. And she finally agreed. Uh, the only thing is that immediately after he was released from prison, he didn't come home. Instead, he immediately left his now ex-wife to marry a young, wealthy Chinese woman. 
And the two still live in Seattle to this day. Although Tammy believes that he will soon move to China where he can start the cycle anew. So he straight up was just like, we got to get divorced. We got to get divorced. You're going to have like all this money is going to hit you. And he had to convince her and then just like runs off immediately. And marries, that guy. And marries another wealthy, another wealthy woman. Fuck that guy. So yeah, yeah, I think he might actually be kind of shitty. Yeah, he is shitty. Yeah. All those years of being a monk. For what? He's, for nothing. He's just, a waste. He's just following his karma. Lobsang Darty was terrible at being a monk. When he donned the robes, the point of taking the vow, or taking his vow, was to be chased in as many ways as possible. Not my thing. But hey, he dedicated his life to it. Instead, Lobsong always wanted more. His hunger for money and the material things in life was all-consuming. And in the end, it consumed not only himself, but his wife, his companies, and the dreams of many immigrants all looking to start a new life here in America. If you are living in the Seattle area, beware of Tibetan Buddhist monks, because you never know when one of them might con you out of multiple millions of dollars. And thank you for listening to this episode of White College Red Hands. That's it. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to today's episode. Uh, if you liked what you heard, then why don't you go ahead and leave us a review. You can write a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, or, well, you can only write one on Apple Podcasts if words are your thing. But you can leave uh, a review at a five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, if you don't use either of those, you can you can uh, like, subscribe, whatever option your podcatcher gives you. You can do that, and that supports us uh, for free. If you don't want to support us for free, you want to support us with cold, hard cash, then you can go ahead and buy some merch. Hell yeah. You, you, the link is in the show description, or you can go to our website, whitecollarsredhands.com. Hit the button and says, check out our merch. Pretty self-explanatory. Go get something. Get a shirt. Oh, my God. There's some street racing going on next to me now. There is. A mug. Laptop bag. Anything you want. Whatever. Um, another way to support us, not for free. Uh, I realize I did this. Never told you guys. If you really hate the the two minutes of ads that we include in every single episode, uh, and you're on Spotify, you can get our stuff ad free for one dollar a month. No, one dollar a month. So if, so if it bugs you enough to pay us one dollar a month to not be subject to it, then we will gladly take your money, and you can subscribe to us uh, through Spotify. And Spotify, by the way. Also, you can catch our, our video content there because this isn't just audio. You can also see our faces as we talk uh, there or on YouTube, YouTube, whitecollarsredhands.com. Uh, if you also like YouTube, whitecollarsredhands.com. That's the one. That's it. You get the idea. Uh, <laughs> you want to see more video with more of our faces and less of our words because I'm obviously so eloquent. Check out Kashan's OnlyFans. Oh, I don't talk on there. Just I go, just said just that. It's the only sound I make. Okay. You'd be surprised how many people subscribe for that. Okay, keep going. Uh, Can you just finish? <laughs> That's what they say too. Yeah, I bet they do. Uh, TikTok. You can get us a TikTok at White Collars Red Hands. Instagram, White Collars underscore Red Hands. Twitter at White Collars Pod. Facebook, White Collars Red Hands. 
Uh, tell a friend, slap him in the face, tell him to listen to the show, and I think that's going to be it because it's hot as fuck here in Illinois, yeah. and my AC's turned off so that we can record this podcast for you. I hope we sounded as sweaty as we feel. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week on another episode of White Collars, Red, Red Hands. Hands.